When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wimbledon Eve, welcome back to the Love Tennis Podcast. Thank you for joining us again. We are giddy with excitement. George insists he was giddy because of England's chances at Euro 2020, but I'm sure it was much more to do with the fact that the best Grand Slam and also the worst Grand Slam of the year starts tomorrow. Uh, We're recording this on Sunday night, just before we all head to SW19 uh, tomorrow. I'm joined, as always, by Calvin Beton, but... From an unusual location, he is our man inside the bubble. He is the bubble burster. Actually, no, I can't say that. You'll get in trouble. Uh, Calvin's uh, obviously a tennis coach. and He's working with Luke Johnson, who's got a wild card into the doubles with Anton Mitusevic. So, as always, the best of luck to them. But we'll talk more about that later on. Calvin, how are you? Enjoying bubble life? Um, yeah, I've been in it about 24 hours. Um, <laughs> it's It's got its pluses and minuses. Pluses, you get free sweets. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's a massive plus. Um, minus is like you feel like you're a little bit in prison. Okay, very good. I mean, five star prison in Westminster, but okay. Very true. Okay. Very true. Yeah, uh, and always the third man in the room, although sometimes it's the second. George Belshaw of Metro.co.uk. George, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm. I'm not in a bubble, but I'm looking forward to Wimbledon and, and just slightly worried actually about like getting in there this year about not in terms of being allowed in but more just like you know the process it's just it feels a bit different and longer and you know stuff like booking the courts this year normally you can just have a bit of freedom and walk around I've just like today it's kind of hit me there's actually way more I need to think about before I get there every day so um yeah we will talk about this a little bit later on because I know it's not what everyone wants to hear about you know the trials and tribulations of being a journalist at Wimbledon and I'm sure we'll talk about it during the tournament but there are a few things that are different this year for us which I wasn't equally expecting. But let's talk about the real tennis first. That is, of course, fantasy tennis, the only thing anyone cares about. Uh, We've spent the last couple of days looking at our teams. I've also spent the last couple of days trying to make sure my spreadsheet doesn't break. I think it hasn't. And I think we've only had one late pullout, so it hasn't caused too much chaos. 
Uh, George, we, we were just chatting before we came on air about the difficulty of, and, and kind of while it applies to fantasy tennis, it applies to this whole draw, especially in the women's side at the moment, but also on the men's. We have very little idea where we're going with this, do we? Yeah, it's absolutely horrible. I mean, <clears throat> I hated every minute of looking through this draw. Like, normally you kind of get a good feeling about there's a little opening somewhere. Um, but so many of the players, I kind of thought, ooh, that they're someone I was going to be really looking out for and hoping they've dropped in a good spot. All of them have dropped in a bad spot. There's literally mm-hmm. no one. Uh, with the maybe exception of someone like Berrettini, who I didn't even pick in the end, I just bottled it. Right. Um, Who did you pick instead of Berrettini? Because he... I went Roger. I like yeah. his draw. And, mm. you know, I think just the the thing is with Roger, it's just a case of if he plays himself in, has light enough first three round matches, he's still capable of going through people on grass. Um, whereas Berrettini, once he gets to the quarterfinals, I'm still not convinced he'd necessarily win those matches. So mm. I was kind of like, I think Roger's going to get to the quarterfinals. I think Matteo will too. But Federer's got more potential to win more. Um, still a bit high risk in terms of not knowing where Roger's at at the minute. But mm. um, So th- this this particular pick, so Berrettini, because of where he is in the seeding, he falls in as a uh, probable. So he's he's one of your five men you get to pick. You get to pick a top four seed. Um, Which I think we've all picked the same, I imagine. I assume we've all picked Djokovic top four seed. In the I've middle. not done mine. But presumably oh. you will be going Djokovic. Uh, I mean... It's... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Unless, <laughs> you've, it unless you've seen Same something very, very odd on a court at Wimbledon today. Uh, yeah. Um, I, practiced today. I saw him practice today. He was practicing today. And um, yeah, he made me want to pick him uh, just based on the practice, nothing else. Okay. Well, that's, that's impressive. I mean, because of course, before you were really pro Zverev. Um, just to remind you, people, of the rules, you're picking five players, one of whom's a qualifier, one of whom's an unseeded player. And then you get three seeds, one from the top four, one from five to 16 and one from 17 to 32. Um, I mean, I I did go Berrettini, George, but there were quite a few in that five to 16 bracket that had, you know, I could definitely make a case for. One, I think, being Denis Shapovalov, because I haven't really got a huge amount of faith in Murray, certainly in the later rounds. I think he is due to face Murray potentially in the third round. If he can get through, you know, to the fourth round, you think he's he's probably hit expectation, but he then doesn't, you know, he maybe plays a Pelka or Bautista Agut, and you're not scared of that as a fourth round opponent, are you? No, absolutely. I mean, to be honest, I, I went for Murray, actually, as my um, surprise, based on the same thing. Like, I really like Dennis. I think he's a really good player. I think he will be a really good player. But this stage in his career, I still don't trust him to win mm. the first four matches as a guarantee at the slam. And if Murray comes through and it's a big if, he could easily lose round one. But you'd think he'd win round two if his body holds up. And then I'd give him a, I'd give him a shot still against Dennis, um, even though that would be really tough. But um, Calvin, yeah. are you, I think you said in chat that you're pretty confident Shapovalov would beat Murray if, if it came to that. Is that, that still the case? I... I come back to the, the players that Murray's lost to when he has been when he the few occasions when he's played tournaments recently the players he's lost to have been the guys who can just blow him off court mm. um, the ones he's had a bit more success with are the ones who are going to make a lot of balls and he can drag into kind of like little battles touch battles feel battles but 
Felix blew him away, didn't he? Rublev did. Um, and I just think that Shapovalov falls into that category where he can just hit winners through him. Although, I'll caveat that with Murray is maybe the most intelligent tennis player of the last 15 years and Shapovalov is one of the most stupid. So, um, um, it, it could go the other way. I think the thing that swayed me with Murray in the end was just getting that kind of watching him at Queens, seeing the movement on grass, seeing other guys really struggle to move on grass. That that still gave me a little bit of faith. And it's a little bit of faith because obviously spoken time and time again about his body might just fail him and he you know, might go completely wrong. But I, I just have a sneaking feeling, having seen the draw, there's an opening for him. And I, the way he talked about it, on grass, he just fancies himself against other players. He knows they're not that level. Dennis has shown some good signs on grass, but he's still missed an important year in his development last year, whereas Murray missing that year doesn't feel as important as other guys. So I've gone tried and trusted Murray and Federer. They've been there, they've done it before, and it'll probably come back to bite me when they both lose in the first two rounds. I think that's kind of, I'd agree with that. I think, but that's, I think, kind of the problem that Murray gets into now is that, like, he, he's obviously way smarter than these players. He's, he's got more skills, he's got more variety, but then they can just hit winners and he can't chase like he used to. And that's how he used to get those players by dragging them in, making an extra ball. And he just can't do that anymore. So he, he's definitely got like other elements of his game that he can do as well. And he's, he's a better all-round player than them. But I think that's kind of one of the things that frustrates him as much as anything as well when he comes across them, that he knows he's a better tennis player, but he's working at not at full capacity of movement and they can just attack him and that's a problem for him. The other really interesting thing is I just think this crowd's going to be so up for it for Murray as well. And if, if there's anything we know about him, about this guy, is that he drags himself through in the moments where it like matters most on home soil. Like That's always been where he's kind of produced his best tennis. And, you know, hearing him talk actually about 2017 and like he says it's one of the best achievements of his career that he managed to get to the quarterfinals with one hit, basically. Mm. And that's actually given me a lot of confidence that I can beat a load of guys um, even if I'm nowhere near my best or physically best. Um, so, yeah, I've, I feel like I've talked my way into something a couple of weeks ago. I was like, that would be so stupid to pick him. Um, but there are there are reasons that you can kind of convince yourself. And with a lack of, you know, I wanted to take someone like Kyrgios, for example, as well, but he plays Humber first round. I just think that's an absolute nightmare draw because we all like Humber. We all think he's good, but it's that's a 50-50. You have to yeah. call it a 50-50. Like, Kyrgios is so good on grass and has, you know, okay, he's been stopped by Rafa last time, but pushes him hard. He beat him there in Australia. We don't know what condition he's in. It, it, it's just a nightmare draw, and I'm really cross about it in so many different ways because it's, it's taken the fun out of it for me. I've just I've hated every minute of picking it. <laughs> well, you're not the only one. I think it's also poignant that Murray said the other day he was so glad when he lost to San Quarry because he was like, oh, thank God I can stop. <laughs> like, not that he was happy to lose or go out of Wimbledon, but he didn't have to go through that pain anymore because it was really unpleasant. But yes, um, he if you haven't seen his draw, he plays Nikolos Basilashvili of Georgia in the first round, the number 24 seed. Uh, he's then guaranteed to play a qualifier, either Oscar Otter or Artur Rinderknech, um, who I'm rather hoping doesn't go too far in the tournament because that's a heck of a mouthful. Um, he's had quite a good year though, hasn't he? I've picked him, actually. Have Why uh, have that... you picked Why have you picked him? I picked him because I... I looked at a lot of the other qualifiers. Like, um, was Corder one or Kudler one? He had the no, tough draw. Kudler. Kudler. 
you know, there were players who the better qualifiers had harder draws. I thought I'm going to play the safe to qualify via qualifier. Yeah. And then if he wins that, he'll play potentially a a, a, a knackered Murray. Murray. So yeah. you never know. I, I, I'm pretty sure this year the qualifier will not win more than one match of the group who've come. I think in I think in the men's draw the the qualifiers have all got real rotters. There's a lot of really tough draws. Um, I was tempted by Bottich van der Zandschloop, who actually lost in qualifying but got in as a lucky loser, and he's playing Gregoire Barrer, who I know is reasonably highly rated, but he's not really done very much thus far. Um, but I actually went for Christopher O'Connell. Um, on the basis that he is playing Gael Monfils in the first round, who still hasn't won a match. I mean, okay, he he did he won a match at the French Open, didn't he? But he's in shocking form. Uh, and yeah, I didn't think I'd pick a qualifier against a seed in the first round, but I have. Uh, and he takes on Pedro Martinez or Stefano Trevalier if he does win, which is a very winnable match. And then even, even third round, Christian Garin. Anyone? No? What? I mean, and then he has to play Novak Djokovic potentially, and I guess he's probably not winning that. But you know, I think if you get your qualifiers to the fourth round in this, your men's qualifier, you've had an absolute blinder. Honestly, yeah. I'll be amazed if any of them get to round three. And someone yeah. will, I'm sure. But uh, where it is now, looking at it, something would have to go freakishly wrong, I think, for a qualifier in this particular tournament to come mm. through. Um, the most sort of diffuse round. Uh, in the men's has certainly been the the second the 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 possible the seventeen to thirty two seed where there really has been very little consensus about who the the best pick is. There's been a fair bit of support for Ugo Umber. We've talked about him. He's got Nick Kyrgios in the first round. George, you and I, I think have gone for the same player uh, in that we've both gone Riley Apelka. Is that right? Yes, um, and. It kind of goes against my usual plan of picking someone in really good form. Um, I just liked his draw best of those guys. And I, I feel, you know, like, is Chilich in that section? He is, isn't he? Like, yeah, no, no, no. Get moved up to be a seed? No. No, Chilich is down the bottom. Mr. Okay. Riley's in top half. No, I just meant he's in the, in the, uh, possible bit though. Oh yeah, he is a possible yeah. yeah, he is, yeah. Well, sorry. He was in the end. Yeah, because had Chilich not been a seed, as was supposed to happen, he was a nailed on pick. Yeah. You yeah. know, as a, as an unseeded player, he's a huge sleeper in the draw. Um Calvin, I basically went through and said, well, I think I need a serve bot in my team. And and Riley Appel it was Riley Appelka or John Isner. And I think Isner has a, a rather trickier draw. Isn't this uh, Berrettini like round four potentially? Yes, Which actually I think... put, that actually put me off Berrettini as well in the end. I have to say, right. like, that was one of the reasons I was just like, that could be a horrible five set. No one returns anything. For yeah, um, I've I've got a court speed klaxon to sound because you've been on court. Uh, tell me about the court speed, Calvin. Um, <laughs> it were well. I'm told that the that the court. The talk today was that the match courts are faster than the practice courts. Yeah, it's through more. So I'm not. I've only been on the practice courts today, and I don't know. They were they were quick. You know, they they quick for a for a for a grass court. Um, but then apparently the match courts are quicker. So that's interesting. I mean, it was. I heard Murray saying, and I wasn't really aware of this that. He says Wimbledon's always slower than Queens, which I wasn't really aware of. I've absolutely no idea why that could possibly be. The type of grass that they use, I think. Um, but he also said, which was interesting, was he said that he felt like the courts speeded up as the tournament went on. 
Mm. Um, as the grass got worn a bit more because uh, the feeling was think some guy this came about because some guy had some stats that said that the courts slow down as the tournament goes on but Murray made a very valid point that it's basically because they, they were judging that on the length of rally yeah whereas as I think as the tournament gets further in you just get better players playing so you get more it's more likely that Murray's going to play Djokovic and the Dals around there's less points being won just clearly on serve so I don't think that necessarily means anything about the court surface and Murray said that they they do actually speed up yeah I, I was just gonna say the same thing I mean it it was kind of like that they put two and two together and made five in terms yeah of what they, the conclusion they drew from it like the data itself was quite interesting as a whole but the conclusion seemed a bit of a uh a dodgy jump really. yeah it is i have to say one of the best um recent sort of uh, uh happenings that andy murray's become really active on twitter you know having basically not tweeted other than the odd like i'm now sponsored by this for like three years he's now like <laughs> getting into people and like discussing tennis tactics in the comments and stuff it it's great and you know we've always talked about what a great thinker he is about tennis and it's brilliant to see him talking about it in that way yeah, he got into a row as well with somebody the other day about um, how much that, that he once wore a Croatia shirt when they were playing England or something <laughs> like that. And I wondered, like, the guy must be just checking all his mentions because this yeah. was just random. It was some, like, random football fan with, like, 220 followers who'd had a pop at Murray for... He said he once said... He, he, said, he said that Murray once said he wanted Croatia to beat England and wore a Croatia shirt, which wasn't. It was actually Paraguay. Right. Um, <laughs> Um, and it wasn't, he didn't say what he, he, this is what I want cracks me up from. I've got a couple of mates who hate Murray for this reason. Yeah. And it, he cracked a joke. They asked him who he wanted to win at this particular World Cup. And he said, anybody but England. And he, they said, and, and, and he said, I might buy a Paraguay shirt. And still, like 12 years on or whatever, you've still got people going on about it, like as a reason to hate him. Well, there's a famous quote and from. Wimbledon where he, he said he'd like walk around the, around the the grounds just after he'd made that comment and uh, someone was on the phone and they go that Scottish wankers just walked by <laughs> <laughs> it really did not help his public image for a while no, I mean I still have friends who don't like him for exactly that reason yeah, yeah exactly. amazing it really is quite something um, just we should move on I mean, we've got lots more to talk about within the men's draw but just kind of from a, a fantasy perspective I want to have a little bit look at the women's because I've got a couple of rogue picks for you George um, yeah. we don't need to talk about the top four I think we both hate all four of the top four players not that we hate them we just have no confidence in them but I think we both picked Barty uh, who's your uh, probable who's your top 16 seed uh, I went Muguruza uh, uh, yeah I mean that kind of needs no explanation Whereas I have to explain something. I've, I've picked Elise Mertens, which I don't think anyone will like. Uh, it's one of the few bold choices in my, uh, in my fantasy team, which I hate from pretty much one to ten. She's playing Harriet Dart in the first round. So I think we're, with the greatest of respect to, to Harriet, I, I would expect Mertens to win that. She's then playing either Mona Bartel, the German, who I've never heard of, or Zhu Lin, the Chinese player, who I've also never heard of. So, again, fairly confident there. And then the worst she can get in the third round is Madison Keys, who, you know, you don't really know which Madison Keys is going to turn up, so I'm fairly confident. Uh, and Elise Mertens has got pretty good grass court credentials. Fourth round two years ago, not many of those hanging around. Yeah. Um, Prove me wrong. Change my mind. 
Well, I in that section, the people I considered were Sviontek, Serena, and Garbin. Really, they were the three. Oh, no, Keys isn't in that. So, Azarenka, <laughs> I thought about, but I didn't like which side of the draw she was in. I, I just There's lots of talk that Azarenka's got an injury. Yeah, she did have a little injury in Hamburg. Um, yeah, it was so. Yeah, I talked myself out of her. Muguruza, obviously, yeah, former champion, can play well, could also lose first two rounds. Don't yeah. know, not feeling very confident, I have to say. And then the next one, the possible, I was really pulling my hair out over that. Yeah, it's an absolute crapshoot. Painful, painful pick. I went for Mukova in the end. Mm, I saw that. Wasn't wild about it. I've gone Coco Goff for kind of obvious reasons. Yeah. Again, she's in a, a hard section, but. Quarterfinal. Last time, look of her. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw her name uh, quite a few times. Um, my my other, basically, you'll notice I've picked against a lot of Brits, which is why I'm a bit skeptical about how popular it's going to be. But I've picked Serana Kirstea as my surprise. Um, again, someone who, who does know their way around Wimbledon, and I've just got this feeling that this year, like people who can just know their way around the grass, because no one's really played on grass for the best part of two years. And as Calvin, you were saying. Uh, I think in chat last week, a lot of foreign players have just sacked off the grass or just not really bothered with it because there's basically been no grass court tennis. And I just think someone who knows their way around it this year could could go really deep and someone who's got the, got the movement and stuff anyway. Yeah, I think it's it definitely has happened. And some people just think, I think some players just think it's a, it's a two-week circuit really. And like, is it worth spending so much time and effort and mental effort and stress getting used to it or turn up and swing the racket and if not then they collect their 48 grand first round prize money and move on to America back on something that they like but yeah I think it, it it's strange I don't in many respects it's not as specialized as it used to be you used to get players who were like serious grass court players yeah. you don't really get those anymore but you do get you do still get the ones who are just terrible on it <laughs> Yeah, George. I, I thought, well, I imagine I haven't looked through, but I, I thought Ostapenko would be the clear pick for the surprise in terms of picking up. Yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of people talking about her, and I think there has been a fair bit of support for her in the market. She's playing Leila and Fernandez in the first round. And yeah, then, back yeah, and my it, girl. Outrageous. yeah, your girl, and then potentially uh, Daria Kasakina, who, to be fair, Kasakina's won quite a lot of matches this year. Oh, yeah, she's, uh, she's actually flying pretty well. Um, well he, it's it's one of those picks that if Ostapenko is hot, she 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 is mad enough to just go and like. You don't have to tell me, George. I picked her in the French Open. She lost in the first round, so yeah, that's the risk. It's 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 uh, Russian yeah. roulette with her. The only the only other one I'm here to tell you about is Clara Burrell, uh, who, as you know, is my uh, is my pick, my one to watch for 2021, and she came through qualifying uh, into the main draw, and she's playing Ellen Perez. Uh, another Australian. She actually she beat Storm Sanders in three sets in the third round of qualifying, and she got another one. And she pretends she has Belinda Bencic in the second round, who I actually have no confidence in winning either. I've um I, I've done the naughty thing, and I, I've backed against a Brit as well. Oh yeah, who have you picked? I took Dietchenko. I don't know if you remember. She took out Sharapova a couple of years ago, right, on her way to round three. And I just kind mm-hmm. of, I I really like Emma Raducanu, and I think she'll be a brilliant player, but. It would be interesting to see how she comes up to that level. Um, okay, 
Very good. Yeah. Um, if you want to see our teams in full, George has done a video with his team. I'm going to do one a little bit later on today when I'm not distracted by Belgium and Portugal. Uh, and you can still enter if you go to at Love Tennis Pod on Twitter. Click through to the form. You've got until 10 a.m. on Monday morning British time uh, because then play will start. Um, well, play starts at 11, but I have to do some admin before then. So you've got till 10 a.m. Uh, uh, because it will be unfair to let you enter your team after play starts. We're already well over 100 again, so... We'll yes, yes, please get involved get there. They're flying in as we speak. Uh, the, the latest Dr. Buzz, uh, who by the by the um, emoji included in their team name appears to be Romanian, but hasn't picked any Romanian players, which is pretty bold to me. I but, think uh, a few more people seem to be doing uh, like funky team names. Now you've added the option for a Twitter handle. I noticed a Djokovic equals goat and someone called them simply the feds. Oh, very good. Yeah, I mean, I have spent several hours on the train today trying to think of a funny team name. I'm torn between what the juice, which, you know, is OK, um, or well strung, which I think is quite funny. Nice. Yeah, but I don't know. It's not got much of a laugh in the pod, so maybe not. Um, yeah, <laughs> please do get involved uh, and we'll, of course, keep you updated on Twitter and on our mid-Wimbledon pod um, as to who's going well and who's not. Uh, but let's talk a little bit more about what's been going on in the last week on the grass, because, of course, with the condensed grass court season, we've seen more players playing in the week before Wimbledon than I think ever before. Um, Daniel Medvedev picked up a grass court title uh, we've also seen Marin Cilic, Matteo Berrettini, Ugo Umber and Alex de Manoa win on the grass in the last two weeks. Uh, Joe Conta, uh, Ludmila Samsonova, Ons Jabeur, Yelena Ostapenko and Angie Kerber. They are the grass court title winners for 2021. Um, we've talked about a couple of them already, George. I'm interested in Alex de Manoa. He's obviously someone who's got strong links in Britain because he is, I believe, still uh, dating Katie Bolter, um, which I think is now official and weirdly it wasn't, but anyway. Um, so he's obviously playing quite a lot of tennis over here. He, he is, in fact, playing against Calvin's Luke Johnson in the first round of doubles as well. So we may come on to that. Uh, but George, what, what do you make of his grass court credentials? I think he's the number 15 seed. Yeah, I, I'd probably say I was a little bit surprised how well he's done. Uh, he's recorded some pretty good wins, uh, beat Chilich at Queens. That's a good result considering Chilich was arriving off the back of a title. Um, you know, the run he had at Eastbourne, that's that's never the strongest draw, but even like beating someone like Liam Brody in the first rounds, not a bad result. You know, Brody would have played a lot more on grass growing up. Uh, Pospisil's someone who has done well on grass in the past as a big serve. Um, so even Sonego's kind of, put himself out there as a decent... I imagine a few people might have taken him in fantasy tennis, to be honest. He's not a bad little pick. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, it, it's been impressive. I'm still not convinced that I think Alex de will be someone who's going to win this title, but he'll he'll be looking for second week. Um, and who knows? Calvin, I, I imagine you've spent quite a lot of time thinking about Alex de in the, the last couple of days. Um, I mean, in a professional sense, not personal. Um, what what have you been thinking about him? Um, that he might be tired. Having <laughs> 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 I mean, played loads of tennis, and you might not fancy um, having just played a full week and then maybe winning a couple of rounds singles and then going on and playing doubles as well. So um, yeah, that that's it. I mean, um, yeah, doubles wise, I, I don't really want to 
go too much into it. I'm sure he's listening to the pod and would be all over my um, scouting report. <laughs> but uh, we got we got a few ideas. But uh, yeah, I think he's you know he's a good player. Uh, he's competitive. He makes a lot of balls. The grass, I think, kind of helps him as well because he hits. He's he's got a strange grip on his forehand. It's quite eastern, quite mm. continental. So it gives him a little bit extra because it's, it's pretty flat. It's very flat. Um, so you can sort of spank it, whereas it's not got loads behind it on a hard court. It gives him a little bit more. Yeah. But as George said, it not the strongest drawer at, um, at Eastbourne. I'm not sure that I would read too much into that. But he doesn't lose to players who he shouldn't do very often. So yeah. my suspicion would be that he probably will make his seed in position. That's what he tends to do. Mm. Um, he's playing Sebastian Corder in the first round, my one to watch for 2020, followed by a qualifier and potentially a third round matchup with Dan Evans, uh, which would be a good watch for sure, I'll tell you that much. Um, well, I mentioned Daniel Medvedev picked up a title in Mallorca, uh, not someone who we've previously associated with grass court tennis particularly, but you know we said that about the clay as well because he famously hates that and he started winning matches there as well. George, do you think there's been a significant improvement on his grass court game? I've actually seen him play well on the grass before. Um, I, I actually think he he is a decent grass court player, um, and we've not really seen him play on the grass since he became what he is in terms of like a, a top world player. Um, you know, I remember he beat he beat Vavrinka first round of Wimbledon, which he then famously or infamously I should say followed up with the match where he ended up throwing coins at the line judges' chair. Mm. Um, so. But that, that side of him's gone a little bit, really, in terms of the slams. He's now pretty, seems to me, pretty pretty consistent. Uh, will be there, thereabout. He's got a good serve. Um, yeah, I, I don't see why he can't play on grass. Um, I've seen him play well. I've seen him do some good stuff at Queen's in the past. Um, I've seen him have a couple of matches that haven't gone quite as well. Um, but, if, but as you're rightly alluding to there, at the French Open, he was rubbish all clay court season. And still turned up and made quarters. And he, you know, he was well beaten in the end by Sissipas. I'm not saying Medvedev will win the tournament, but I'd, I'd certainly still give him a pretty good chance of quarters semis. And, you know, he's play, facing Marin Cilic potentially round three. Medvedev is playing well enough to convince me that Cilic isn't a worthwhile pick anymore. And beforehand, he was someone I was really targeting. Um, so thanks for all. I'm just looking at uh, Medvedev's record at Wimbledon. Before he was a top 100 player, he very nearly qualified for Wimbledon, but he lost to a Brit in the third round of qualifying. Does anyone know which Brit he lost to in the third round of qualifying? Marcus Willis. It was Marcus Willis in four sets uh, back in 2016 when that was uh, yeah Wilbom's famous famous run. But he's, of course, been in the main draw since then. As, as you point out, Georgie beat Vavrinka in the first round, although I do seem to remember Vavrinka was pretty injured at the time. Um, and he's, he's beaten a couple of other good players. Calvin, do you, do you think that Medvedev, his kind of, his whole game, he should, other than the movement, he should be able to play on grass, shouldn't he? Um, yeah, I mean, also, he's not the most skillful player either. Doesn't have loads, of, doesn't have great slice and angles, that kind of thing. Great hands, variety, uh, which you tend to need on grass. The best grass court players tend to have that. So he hasn't got that either, I I'd be surprised if he's much of a threat. I think, you know, he'll beat some players. He's not terrible on it. But I think the, but the first time he meets somebody who can play on the grass, then I'd imagine they'll take care of him. Mm. Um, in the women's side, I mentioned a few title winners there. I think the most significant one, to be honest, is Angie Kerber, 
Um, you know, someone with a terrific pedigree at Wimbledon, someone who's been world number one as well. Uh, she picked up the title at Bad Homburg. Um, she beat uh, Sinyakova in the final in straight sets. Uh, she picked up some decent scalps on the way there. Amanda Anisimova, Petra Kvitova in the semi-final. Uh, George, this is a, I mean, is this a, re- is a genuine rebirth? It's possible. Yeah, I mean, I'd read much more into her week than I would um, Alex Dumanoz, to be honest, uh, the quality she's come through. Um, it's just so hard to say. I mean, Kerb has been pretty useless for a couple of years now. So but this is kind of, it has come out of nowhere, hasn't it? Yeah, um, but she's a good grass court player. You know, she, she diverts the pace of other players so well. She's good at getting low and uh, playing kind of low balls. Um I, I still worry, I always worry about her serve still. I'm not sure. You know, I think she's a really good returner, but I think she has problems on serve and I wouldn't back her to necessarily hold her own against the best players in it. But let's be honest, Serena won't be very pleased to be seeing Kerber round three in this mm. draw and she won't be pleased to be seeing Goff round four. And to be honest, the fact they're all together has made me choose none of them in fantasy yeah. tennis when all of them, <laughs> I think, were... Decent pits uh, in their own right. I th- I'm kind of intrigued by, I mean, the women's draw as a whole obviously is complicated and intriguing and almost impossible to pick players out of. The fact that Kerber has won a title is like, it's just yet another curveball because I think she's just not someone we would have even, I don't think her name would have come up on the podcast ha- had she not won a title last week at all. I, I normally can have a decent stab of before a women's tournament still thinking. I look at the draw and I think if this person plays how they should, they've got a really good chance of going to the final. There's nothing there. There's absolutely nothing. There's no one I would put a tenner on going past the third round, mm. honestly. It, it, it's an absolute nightmare of a draw. Arguably the only person who should definitely get past the third round is Coco Goff. <laughs> Weirdly. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, I mentioned Joe Conta. We talked about her title in Nottingham. It wasn't yeah. a terribly strong field. I think she she performed to expectation. Uh, I did enjoy today. And if anyone saw her press conference, uh, she at one point in the at the end of an answer just said, "Oh, and by the way, I'm not sunburnt. I, on the screen, I can see I look really red." And I just want to say, "I'm not sunburnt. I did wear my SPF 50, which I think to a lot of Brits would have been seemed a bit weird. But obviously, Joe spent a lot of time in Australia. And in Australia, it's a really big deal if you get sunburn, isn't it? Like, it's like, it's it's beyond social embarrassment. It's like, what are you doing? Like, it's really dangerous to get sunburn, which I think is why she made such a, a point about it. But I believe it was just just the weird screen in the press conference room because they're still making players go to the press conference room to do a Zoom press conference with the journalists who are about 100 feet away in a different room. But anyway, more of that later. Um, Calvin, you're, of course, inside the bubble in the Park Plaza, Westminster, which I've stayed in, actually. It's a lovely hotel. Um, But we talked a little bit about the conditions of it. But I mentioned earlier that Luke Luke playing with Anton, he's up against Alex Dimoneur, who's obviously an elite player. I mean, without talking too specifically about Alex, you know, what's it like for a guy like Luke to go into a match against someone who, you know, has played at that kind of level? Is it pure excitement or does he just see a scalp he can claim? Yeah, I think the latter. I don't think there'll be too much sort of over-respect and fawning over him or anything like that. Um, He's been around those type of players before. 
Um, you know, he's practiced with Dan Evans, that kind of thing. They're in the same rank, um, ranking bracket, really. So I don't think there'll be any of that. And he backs himself at doubles. Um, mm. He's actually, Dimonor's partner, Matt Reed's a very good doubles player as well. So I think in, in that match, um, they'll both be a concern. But mm. let's see what Luke and Anton can do um, come Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. Uh, and, and what have you found that the conditions like? I know you've been bussing in and out of Wimbledon today and, and it's obviously different and weird. What's been the biggest difference about it for you? Yeah, it's it's different. Um, there's still sort of a strange... I still don't really get the, the thinking of the one-way systems, especially when you walk directly next to the people coming the other way. Right. But they are very insistent upon them. So the people walking the other way could be literally a metre or 50 centimetres to your right, but they, they insist on the one-way system. So that still sort of baffles me a little bit. Um, everything else, yeah, it's much as I expected. Um, it's strange having everyone in the same hotel, like yeah. where ev- everyone is here. There's nobody in the tournament who isn't in the hotel. It's a huge hotel, so you don't see everybody. Um but um, yeah, it, it's it's different. And then at the tournament today, it's normally quite a very secure event anyway. The security is very tight. So that was no different really than it ever is in that respect. I, I was just going to ask, what are the kind of restrictions on you in the hotel? Is it, do they have like a big, I know like the US Open put on like a big like games room and stuff for people to kind of hang out or is it more, you have to stay in your room and you're only allowed down for dinner and stuff? Or, oh, no, no, you can go like, around you could go around the hotel as and when you please like there's a bar and you can go in there I think we're, we're further on than we were at the US Open aren't we so I think there's that there's the dining room is the ballroom which is absolutely huge so um, there's no real everyone's quite far apart there and um, wherever it happens but I think there's there's like a gym a swimming pool that you have to book to go in there's a golf simulator that I've not been to I think a few of the players have been going to that Um there's not loads to do, to be honest, but I think most people are just sort of hanging around and chatting in various cafe bars and bars, that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, it's for anyone who, who knows London, it's basically opposite Westminster Bridge and it's this big sort of gawping spaceship of a hotel and it does have about 1,200 rooms in it. So, yeah, it, it must be pretty bizarre having the whole lot of them. I mean, I'm told that some of the better players have some, some somewhat better suites, um, the ones that expect to perhaps be there for a little longer. Um, well, but... apparently, um, I won't say who it is, but a very, I'm not going to say a very famous person, but a quite famous person, um, former athlete, lives in the hotel, apparently, unofficially. Like, uh, he lives in one of the penthouse apartments, and wow. he didn't take kindly to be asked to move, because uh, basically the hotel is shut down to anything. There's no one in here that's nothing to do with Wimbledon. Yeah. Uh, so there's no other guests. And he was asked that he had to check out for Nadal to have his penthouse. But uh, and then obviously Nadal ended up not coming and but he still can't be in it because there's you're only allowed in it if you're in the tournament. Well, if they need someone to look after the penthouse for a week or two, I'm more than happy to help. <laughs> uh, just just let them know and I I will pop along. Um yeah, it's it's been it's been weird. George, you were mentioning earlier that it's been very weird for us. You usually what people won't know about being a journalist at Wimbledon is that you can pretty much, other than centre and number one court, in fact, no, other than centre, you can pretty much just swan around um, and, and basically go where you want. You know, if you want to pop onto court three for half an hour, you can sit in the, they've got a, a row of two press seats and 
you can just go wherever you want and it's quite nice. And actually some of the best matches I've watched at Wimbledon are ones where I've just walked past number two and heard a crowd going a bit wild and thought, well, I'll pop in there for, for 20 minutes and, you know, it's turned into to an epic. So the difference this year is you basically have to go onto a Google form the night before and book onto every court you might possibly want to go on. I mean, what have you done? I, I've sort of picked four or five matches. Have you just applied for as many matches as possible? I actually didn't. I, so my normal uh, game plan with Wimbledon is the first match of the day, like around the 11 o'clock, I make sure I go and sit and I watch a set of tennis. I make sure yeah. I do that because it, it gets so chaotic in the day that it's impossible to just sit around and enjoy it. Things will happen and I yeah. need to be kind of there organising our team and who's going where and doing what. So it, I make sure I have that nice hour yeah. and I have lunch and then I'm ready for like the sense court stuff. So I, I've booked myself on to Sinner Fuxovics tomorrow morning, court 18. Court 18, yeah. Um, I think that'll be a good little match. Um, and then I've put myself on Djokovic, Draper and Murray. Um, that's the last really just because they're, they're the big matches for the day that I'll need to cover. Um, so prioritise those. I haven't really bothered booking loads of other stuff because as we all know, tennis matches are impossible to kind of determine the length. And I, I kind of thought the strategy might be to, I, I'm wondering if at 11 o'clock tomorrow, they're going to say, Oh, these courts aren't full and you can book on as the day goes on and they'll have freelancing. I'm not sure, but I'm just yeah. going to see how it goes tomorrow. I, I know I'll just want to watch Sinner and then do the, the center court ones and then see how it works and kind of adapt for Tuesday. What, what I think will be really interesting is that Wimbledon is a very well-run ship. It's very, very well run. And just in terms of it's the same thing every year in the same place with the same people. So they know what they're doing. There's no circumstance where they're like, oh, what do we do here? Because they've done it all before. And, and this is the first time in about 100 years they probably had to change anything. And I think that will be really fascinating to see how they deal with that. I'm rather concerned that as media will be a long way down the list of priorities, you know, which is just a way of things, but I'm not very optimistic. Well, there's, um, it seems there's going to, there's already some problems with tickets. My housemate is meant to be coming tomorrow and he's not got his QR code through or anything yet. So I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, it's not like a normal event where they just send you a PDF. Yeah, insisting you download this app and things aren't turning up. I've seen a few people on Twitter saying it as well. So, you know, that's just another thing to kind of keep an eye out for because, as you say, it's normally such a, a nor an easy process. Um, they've changed so many things at once this year in terms of ticketing um, that that that's got the potential to be a bit of a fiasco tomorrow. So that, that that's worth seeing how it goes. But if if you are if you do have tickets. Um, for later in the week I'd maybe keep an eye on how it's going for people earlier in the week just so you get a bit of a heads up because tomorrow for the first people coming you know I don't know what to say to my house but I'm like you know I don't know they're, they're not going to answer any of your emails yeah you've got to just have to turn up and hope for the best which yeah. isn't ideal really no no I mean I, I don't I mean I can't even work out what time to turn up tomorrow never mind um, exactly I, I'm going to go down for I think like half nine tomorrow which is ludicrously early but I just I'm worried about whether they'll want to be seeing all this test evidence or what, you know, I, I just think it could be like a really long thing. I don't want to get in trouble. I'd rather be there early, yeah. do work for an hour rather than be stuck around there. And and yeah. we know they're expecting problems because they've pushed centre back to half one start. So, <laughs> you know, Wimbledon never changes its times for bloody anything. So if they're anticipating that, then I'm already quite worried. So I'll be there yeah. pretty early, I think. Yeah, me too. 
Um, well, speaking, we hope, we hope, of course, and, you know, we hope it goes well and we hope there are no problems because we want these events to run and we're just glad it's back. Uh, but one event that might be a bit of fiasco in tennis is the Olympic tennis event, which is starting to look more and more like a fairly bang average 250. Um, Serena Williams is the latest one to pull out of the Olympics, as she confirmed today. Slightly cryptic uh, sort of answer saying she didn't want to talk about why, but she might later, George. Any sort of speculation on what that is? I, I don't know. I Okay, very good. Excellent. In which case, we won't speculate any further. Well, uh, but it, it is a, it is a, it's a shame, isn't it? I mean, it's a, it's a hit. Yeah, obviously, it's a big name and it's someone pulling out, but there's no great surprises. I mean, the conditions don't sound particularly fun still going out there, do they? It's going to be a bit soulless. Um, you know, I was actually more surprised at, like, Cam Norrie pulling out this week. It, like, it's a comparison. Um, I'm very surprised at that. I, I have uh, to say, like, just not... I don't think I don't think tennis should be in the Olympics. And we're going to have this argument later on, but I don't think it should be in the Olympics. But... For someone like Cam, who's like career high ranking, this might be the only time he is eligible to go to the Olympics and get in main draw straight off the bat and play singles. Like in four years or three years time, he might not be the British number two and inside the top, whatever it is, 50 in the world. He can't control that. This might be the only chance he gets. And I'm really surprised that he's not taking it. I, I would even look further than that and think I could win a bloody medal here. Like the way he's playing this year and the people who are pulling out, why not? Yeah. Seriously, I mean, you only need to come third to, to get a medal. You know, he's been coming third a lot this year in tournaments. Why not? I, th- I think the one thing I'd say on that is that I'd agree normally with what you're saying, James, but it's like, this is not a normal Olympics. Is it? The reason why you'd want to do that is to be around the, the village and for the fans and, and to feel like you're at an Olympics. This is going to be an Olympics in name only. Let's not make any mistake on that. So it's like you might think, right, do I want to do I want to jeopardize my chances in the US swing, US open for something that's basically I'm going to go and play at an empty stadium, which is not going to be a load of fun by the sounds of it. Um, and like I said, I, I don't blame him one bit for doing it. I don't think it's it's different from other sports. It's different from like when all these sports have trained for what's now five years. They've been training, peaking for this. Tennis doesn't do that. Um, it's it's something that they do as a bit of a novelty. And I think the novelty, there's no novelty this time. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree with all you've said as well. It was interesting because Cam was always, I'm definitely going. And Dan was always, I'm probably not going to go. And then they've just completely flipped on the heads when it came out, <laughs> which was quite a surprise. Um what, what do you think are the reasons that would have compelled Dan to do it? Do you think he... I, I still think there's something to say about, you know, winning a slam is probably a pipe dream for a lot of these players, but winning a kind of best of, you know, three Olympics all the way through until, like, the final seems more doable and weaker draw. Do you think that was tempting him in, seeing people going... Yeah. Dan changes his mind a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> probably nothing deeper than that, I'd say. I think he could win a medal. I mean, he's in the doubles yeah. with Skupski. Like, I think he's got two shots at a medal. Yeah. Don't see why not. Especially, you know, what is it? It's, it's indoor hard or outdoor hard, I've forgotten. The outdoor oh, hard. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the doubles is a really good point because those two have had a lot of success this year. Um, Matt's yeah. probably kind of turned his head a little bit on that front. I, I think, you know, for all we're saying about it being Olympics in name only, if you're someone 
if you're Dan Evans and you end up with a silver medal at the Olympic Games, I think that would be a, something pretty special in your career. Um, yeah, yeah, you can't take that away from him for sure. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, the, the numbers are are being sort of whittled down as we go on. Dominic Team obviously pulled out early in the week. Um, Serena Williams, Rafael Nadal's out already. Well, I mean, I don't know what Roger Federer has said. I think he he says that it's going to be dependent on how his body holds up from Wimbledon, hasn't he? So we don't know whether we're going to see him. Uh, at the Olympics, yeah, I, I would suggest we won't. But I mean, we know how important that is to his kind of legacy. Yeah, again, I mean, for Roger and Novak, this is literally the only thing. Well, not literally. For, for Novak, it is literally the only thing he's not won. For Roger, it's probably the the most important thing he's not won. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think there will be, I it, particularly if, if Djokovic wins Wimbledon. I'd be astonished if he pulled out of it just because yeah. a golden slam is just going to be ridiculously tempting regardless of the conditions Correct. and whatever's going on. Um, if he loses Wimbledon, I wouldn't be that surprised if he was then like, oh, screw yeah. this, I'll be bothered. Let's move on. Uh, George, you've been down at Eastbourne on and off this week, uh, mostly boozing as far as I can tell, but also occasionally doing some work, which is always a welcome sight. Uh, and a little bit with Bianca Andrescu, I understand. Yeah, done a, a column with Bianca this week uh, where she's kind of written for us. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, actually. She's she's a good character. She's kind of quite willing to just, like, shoot from the hip when she speaks. Um, and, and she's not afraid of, like, saying too much. Like, she kind of said, you know, one, one bit we were kind of talking, she's talking about the rivalries in, like, women's tennis at the minute and, you know, all the young players that she kind of wants to build these rivals with. And she's just like yeah, I think we're going to change the sport. We're going to change the world together. And, you know, it's quite it's quite a big thing to say, yeah. like, um, particularly as someone who's not really been that involved in the tennis world last year. And she, you know, she spoke a bit about the mistakes she's made with scheduling and stuff. Um, you know, she's just, she's very, very confident. And I think that's always why we're a bit like, I would never rule her out of winning any tournament at any time because she believes in herself 100%. And she's got the mentality that, maybe some of the other women play don't have, even if her body's let her down a bit. Um, so if she gets that right, um, I think she'll have a really good career. But yeah, th- that should be going out later. That will almost certainly be up by the time this podcast comes up. So um, I hope you enjoy it. I don't know if you guys, I, I sent you the text, but you've... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, had, I had a look at it. I think she's, she's clearly, I mean, the thing that stood out for me is when you write it all down, she's had a hell of a two years. <laughs> You know, I mean, in terms of roller coaster emotions, that that could break a lot of people, and and you know, it could really, uh, it could really, it could really leave you scarred. But she seems, she seems to have come through not unscarred, I suppose, unscathed. I, I think so. And you, you know, as I said again, like she's just back to the rivalry. She's talking about, oh, I want it to be like Nadal Federer, or and she said Serena Maria. I'm not sure she actually wants it to be. She wouldn't want to be the Maria in that scenario. But, no, um, you know. It's it's nice that she recognises what needs to happen in women's tennis. That's something we've moaned about a lot. And she wasn't afraid to be like, yeah, this is something we need to do as a group. And I think we will. And I think that's great. You know, it's you want people who are confident in themselves, cocksure enough to say. And I, I think if she gets the results going back again, she'll be a massive star. She's interesting. People care what she has to say. The problem is she's just not been there to say it for a long time. So, yeah, I, I think it's definitely worth a read. I will keep saying. 
Mm. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, never, never one not to plug. <laughs> um, but I've pretty much come to the end of my list, George, um, which usually leaves room for any other business. I'm going to put you on the spot and cool. say if there's one player we haven't mentioned um, to kind of keep an eye on, whether it's because they'll be entertaining to watch uh, or because they, they, they might go deep this week or, or just because you, you like the look of them. Is there one that we haven't talked about that you, uh, you feel you've got in your locker who's someone who, who could be worth watching on Monday or Tuesday? Crikey, that's, that's a tough question. I think uh, if, if there was someone like that, they would have got into my fantasy team this year because there were really, <laughs> uh, really no options. Um, God, uh, not really, to be honest, uh, that we've not mentioned already. Um, I mean, we've done uh, our best to go through everyone. We've gone I through mean, quite a large range in the last few weeks. Of I mean, what, what's kind of amazing is, is since the draw, because this is obviously the first pod we've done since the draw specifically, is that the first round has got some absolute belters in it. I mean, particularly in the men's, because I basically think about half the draw in the women's will be worth watching. But that, I mean, the one that stands out is that Kyrgios Umber match, which I think we assume will will go five sets and basically go on forever. Yeah, I was going to say, like, in terms of matches, there are some really great ones. In terms of players I think are going to do well and will be worth watching, that's a different conversation. I don't think there's anyone apart from Djokovic. I'm happy to sit here and say they're 100% going to have a run. Um, yeah. Sloane Stevens, uh, Kavita for tomorrow. That's a cracking first round match on paper. Um, that should be really good. Um, yeah, Kyrgios Umber is the one though, isn't it? I mean, mm. that, I think Nick, I know Calvin has his thoughts on being part-time, but he, he does just bring such a buzz, doesn't he? It is just yeah. so different. You know he'll be out on court too. Everyone will be going absolutely loopy. It's going to be five sets. It's going to be tense. There'll be ridiculous shots. He'll do stupid things in stupid moments and he still might win. Yeah. Even though Umber on paper should win this match, Umber will be furious. That's who's turned up against him round one. It's, uh, it's a, to be clear, it's not my. It's not that I have thoughts about him being part time. <laughs> this, this is his first match since January. And prior to that, prior to that, his previous match was the previous January. Like, that's that's not that's not me thinking he's part time. He just is. Yeah. I, th- I think I would probably agree with that. Um, Calvin, I, I, I did want to ask you because there's so many Brits in the draw, you know, and potentially by this time next week, there won't be. Um, are there any particular guys? I mean, Jack Draper obviously is up against Novak Djokovic, but I think that, you know, I think we know what to expect from that. Is there anyone else that, that you would urge people to keep an eye on or who might be able to take some chunks out of someone decent? I mean, that'd be a great match to watch. Be a good match to watch that one. I think Jack and um, and Djokovic, no doubt, I'll be watching it. Um, I think um, such as I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Liam Brody plays Cecchinato, which I think is a winnable match. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Um, Trying to think who else is in it. Uh, I believe is up against uh, Igor Garasimov. Yeah, Jay always plays decent stuff on grass. He's got a big serve. He's got good hands. So that's yeah. probably another match that he's in the match. I think both those two guys are in the match. Um, that's, that's, I mean, that to a certain extent, look, wild cards at Wimbledon are a, a thing of great policy. Um, but to a certain extent, you just want these guys to come out and, and give as good as they've got. I th- They're I not think- all going to win. I, th- I think I was talking with uh, Jack's coach today, Ryan Jones, and we and I was we were saying that. If, if you're a wild card like that, you either want... For your first choice is somebody who you think you can definitely beat. Yeah. Maybe a guy who's not so great on the grass. So obviously, ranking-wise, all the players are ranked a fair bit above them. 
Um, so it's somebody who you think, right, that's a if you can't get that, you probably want the one that Jack's got, which is the experience, yeah. the the centre court, um, first day, world number one, because that that's the next best thing. What you don't want is you don't want a guy who's ranked like you don't want somebody like Umber who's who's obviously he's ranked his ranking is low enough that nobody really knows him, and you're not getting on a you're not getting centre or number one. Uh, but they are also very, very good, and the likelihood is they take care of you because they're brilliant on grass. Um, whereas I think both Chechinato and Gerasimov, they're probably they come into that section of like if you were to give the players the draw, the pick of the draw, who they could play, they'd probably both be in the top fifteen who you'd pick out. And you know, I think in the women's as well, some of them have got pretty pretty tough draws. But I know. I've- bet against her in fantasy but Raducanu this is a great chance for her to announce herself playing a qualifier round one um, even if it is a qualifier who's had some big results in the past this will be a serious opportunity for her to get a match win as well so yes yeah, and, and and people like Casey Bolter as well I think who are they've got kind of winnable first round matches um, she's had a bit of a quiet time but people in Britain were starting to know who she is she's got a bit of no personality about her in terms of being recognisable, had a lot of splashes in big papers and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, big opportunity for those girls as well. Katie Swans has come through qualifying. You know, she's had a pretty rough um, couple of years. It's nice to see her actually work her way in. Um, yeah, I, I thought she would just get a manger or wild card, to be honest, because that's just what typically seems to happen with that bunch. But she's, you know, fair play to her. She's earned her way in there. And sometimes... Got Madison, Madison Keane. Yeah, and yeah, well, sometimes getting those wins is better for you than just turning up with a wild card in the main draw. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you build up a bit of momentum. So, mm. I, I don't think she'll win, but it's it's a match where she can say, "Here's what I can do against a top player." She's not expected to win. Go out freely. Not going to get any negative press if you lose this, unless it's love and love, and you only pick up two points or something. Unless it's love and love, you only pick up two points, and all the other Brits lose because then it's just yeah. then you're in real trouble. But anyway, uh, we we wish them all the best of luck as always. Um, we will hopefully George and I and potentially Calvin as well, but the TBC uh, to be doing a few bits during the week, just little little five or ten minute spots. Um, but you will they will pop up on your feed, and if you're following us on Twitter at Love Tennis Pod, then you will be able to see them as they come out. Um, best of luck to everyone. If you're going, if you've got tickets, um, make sure you do all the things you need to do. Don't turn up and not have done a test or whatever it is that you need to do because it would be the most um, heartbreaking thing in the world. Have a great time. If you see me or George, then um, stay two metres away. I mean, that's just a rule. That's not a social distancing thing. I just had like personal space. Um, but no, f- feel free to say hi if you do see us. It would be great to, to hear from some listeners. Uh, and yeah, we'll of course be back certainly next Sunday night, halfway through, presumably when there is some group Best of luck to everyone. And, uh, yeah, stay safe as always. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.